Welcome to Embrace Your Brain with Dr. D. Joy Coulter. These short weekly brain bits give you fresh glimpses into how your mind works and how to develop its natural brilliance. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, what's systems thinking all about? I've been enjoying the many challenging questions and topics that some of you have sent in, so I hope you keep them coming. And in order to explore most of them, we have to use a systems thinking lens. It's going to take a number of podcasts to learn what systems thinking means and how to use it. We need to come at it from several angles. Each one sheds light on an aspect of systems thinking, but no angle sees it all. Today we're going to look at the way systems thinking can be seen as an advanced developmental stage. It's a lot more than that, as the later podcast will explore, but right now we're going to look at it in the ways that it can be seen as a stage. Here's what we know about how brain development happens. We know that the strategies our mind uses to make sense of the world change as we develop. Schools plan for that as they decide what ideas can be taught at what ages. The brain has growth spurts at certain ages, and that can make a big difference in thinking skills. If we learn to read, that triggers major shifts as well. So we could view systems thinking as being one of those cognitive stages in our development. We can get the gist of this stage notion by considering what I call the spinach question. So here's the question. If all boys like spinach and Jimmy's a boy, does he like spinach? The three and four-year-olds, they're rather magical thinkers, they're going to hone in on Jimmy. And they might say, no, Jimmy doesn't like spinach. If you ask a seven to eight-year-old to focus on the question, they're going to spot the concrete content. They're going to go for the spinach. And if they don't like it, they'll say, no, boys don't like spinach. But if you ask a 12-year-old or older, they're going to listen to the form of the question. And they'll say, well, sure, if all boys liked Ziggle and Jimmy was a boy, he'd like Ziggle too. So how might a systems thinker respond then? Well, they'd understand the form of the question all right. And they could easily set aside the personal attitude towards spinach but they would immediately begin to look for patterns or explore a bigger picture. Where do those boys live? Why would they all seek out spinach? Maybe they have iron deficiencies. I wonder if the girls in those regions would like spinach too. Maybe you can learn about different health needs by looking at what vegetables sell most in each region. So you can see that systems thinkers go way beyond having answers, and they move into the realm of looking for patterns and creating great new questions. If you think this sounds like a thinking strategy that scientists might use a lot, you're right. In fact, they're the ones who gave it its modern name of systems thinking. As you might expect, their approach manages to be over the heads of many of us, if we aren't scholars or scientists. But please don't write it off. Remember, this is just one approach to systems thinking. In the next few podcasts, we'll explore other angles, ones that you may find you already do or would like to try out. We'll end this podcast with a brief history of how scientists identified and began to use systems thinking. The term general systems theory was coined in 1950 by an Austrian biologist named Bertolanffy, who developed a new way to look at problems from several scientific lenses or disciplines at once. 
It was an idea that fit the times. It was after World War II, and there was a desire to tackle more complex issues, and we needed a more complex set of tools to do it. Studying small parts and trying to fit them all together just didn't work for this new level of complexity. It became essential shortly after October 4th of 1957. That was the day Sputnik was launched, and it caught our country by surprise, triggering Kennedy's goal to put a man on the moon. The public was stunned by the complex charts that that project created. They built those charts starting with their outcome and working backward to the beginning date. All of the steps that had to happen along the way became clear and a realistic timeline could be constructed. Those charts covered whole walls and they wove several different research fields together and tracked various tasks along the way, including even the need for a heat-resistant alloy for the nose cone by a certain date, but there was no alloy that existed at the time. Since then, many fields have turned to system strategies for handling their most complex problems. Those problems could be as varied as scheduling nursing operations in hospitals, or helping businesses grow dramatically, or understanding the interplays in nature, or city planning and transportation designs. So far, it may not sound like something most of us use very often, if at all. Although, thinking backward from the outcome to the steps needed to get there is a great takeaway for setting goals in our lives. In the next podcast, we'll look at systems thinking from a different angle and discover that we may be doing it naturally after all. If you're enjoying these podcasts, I think you'll love my book, Original Mind, Uncovering Your Natural Brilliance. It's available at EmbraceYourBrain.com. Thank you.